Well, thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Our last Sunday meeting of 2021. So we are doing a series on Luke's Gospel, and we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 1. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 1, it will be on the screen as well. Um, Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for this, this truth that we've read. And we pray that you would speak your truth to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here's a Christmas cracker quiz to start off with then. What do the dates the 13th of October 2010, the 10th of July 2018, and the 9th of November 2021 all have in common? Well, these dates will forever be etched in the memory of the 48 people that were impacted by the events then and the thousands of people that were involved as well. So on the 13th of October 2010, 33 miners were rescued from the San Jose gold copper mine in Chile after 69 days stranded 700 metres underground. I'm sure we can all recall the images beamed live from Chile of the uh, capsule coming up with the miners in it wearing sunglasses. What a celebration of rescue that was. And on the 10th of July 2018, a junior football team and their coach were rescued from the Tham Luang cave in northern Thailand. They had stranded in the flooded cave system and they were in there for 17 days and they were discovered, remember, on that ledge uh, surrounded by water and it was one of the most complex cave rescues ever in history. And more recently, on the 7th of November 2021, George Lenane, a caver from Bristol, was a, over a mile deep within a cave system when he fell and suffered leg and facial and back injuries. He was stranded um, and he was rescued. It was the longest cave rescue in Welsh history. With 53 hours it took him to get him out of the cave. So these are three dates, three cave rescues that made headline news. But of course rescues happen every day. Right now people are being rescued probably from hard shoulders around the UK, being stranded in their cars. 
And of course, skilled medical carers rescue patients every day. I was myself rescued by a policeman when I was 11 years old. We had a school play, and one of the props for the school play was a pair of handcuffs. And I decided to go into the props cupboard during lesson once and try the handcuffs on, because I wanted to see what it felt like to wear handcuffs. Unbeknown to me, they were donated by a local police officer, and only he had the key to the handcuffs. So I had to go to the headmaster and explain what had happened, and uh, they had to actually call the police for me. And the policeman turned up in his car to unlock Inquisitive Francis from the handcuffs. One of those moments when I'm sure that the uh, teacher was supposed to not smile when he was telling the pupil off. But we've all been uh, rescued, experienced rescues like that, and perhaps not that extreme, but you know, rescue, the, the fact of a rescue and all those rescues we've heard about is fundamentally somebody needs or people need help. People need help, and they cry for help, and they are totally dependent on the people that's rescuing them, or the person that's rescuing them. They can't do it themselves. And here, in Luke chapter 1, we see the beginning of God's rescue plan for mankind unfolding. See, the people that we're introduced to in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Joseph, Mary... They're all God-fearing Jews. They are waiting expectantly for the coming Messiah. They know the prophecies, for example, in Isaiah chapter 9, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. For the coming King. Yet the reality of their lives is far from this promise in the book of Isaiah. These Jewish God-fearing believers are a conquered people. They're living in occupied territory. The Romans rule with fear and they extract taxes for the development of their roads and the lavish palaces and their feared army. Mary and Joseph's king right now is King Herod of Judea. He was an ambitious king, but he was a brutal ruler. He executed several members of his own family, including his brothers and his wife, Marianne. Herod is absolutely no prince of peace. So here we have God's people living under this evil regime, expecting, waiting to be rescued in spiritual Darkness. They're waiting for the God of the Israelites who rescued them from the grip of the Egyptians, the God who parted the Red Sea. They're waiting for their God, Yahweh, who raised up King David to lead them and to protect them against their enemies. They're waiting for a new king who will rule over them in silence. They're waiting. Perhaps in sadness, they wait. And it's into this silence that God's rescue plan unfolds. We read in verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The, the creator of all things, the one who flung the stars into space, the great I am, the one who was and is and is to come, God Yahweh sent God sent the angel Gabriel. God here is taking the initiative. God chooses this moment in time. 
he chooses this area in the Middle East, this town in Galilee, this home in Nazareth, this engaged couple called Mary and Joseph, and the womb of this virgin called Mary to begin his rescue plan for mankind. And God's plan is unfolding, and when God acts, nothing can stop him. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, in the book The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and I'm sure some kids, even some adults, will be watching this this Christmas time. But we're introduced to Narnia, which is a dark and remote land, and Jadis, the white witch, has placed the whole land under this curse, and it's the long winter, and it's relentless, and it's unbreakable. And in the Narnia series, Aslan is, is called the true king, the great Lion of Narnia, and the Narnians are waiting for Aslan to come and save them and destroy the White Witch and break the curse of the long winter. And in this we read in chapter 7, they say Aslan is on the move, perhaps has already landed, and now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was. But the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. They say Aslan is on the move. And here in Luke chapter 1, God sent the angel Gabriel. God is on the move. I'm sorry to uh, challenge the traditional nativity scenes that I'm sure we all enjoy but there's no evidence that the angel Gabriel had wings Um, so the early descriptions and pictures of artists of angels in the first century by Christians none of the angels had wings it was only in the fourth century that artists started to use artistic license to add wings to angels to demonstrate their supernatural power but the word angel is from the Greek word angelos which means messenger of God So a complete stranger appears to Mary. She's never seen him before, but he speaks her language and he knows her name. Mary is understandably shocked, afraid, wondering, what is this? But he's come with a message from the very throne room of God. This wonderful counsellor, the Prince of Peace, the King of kings and Lord of lords is to be conceived in you, Mary, for you have been chosen. And she is firstly confused and she doesn't understand and she's in disbelief, but then that soon turns to joy. And we read later in the chapter, my soul glorifies the Lord, she she sings, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for God has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. She's rejoicing because God has helped. God is coming to the rescue. And when a people or person needs rescuing, they cry for help. And in Chile, help came in the form of of three separate rig drilling teams, every Chilean government ministry, hundreds of organisations, including NASA, and the whole rescue cost $20 million. In Thailand, the rescue involved over 100 divers, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, 
10 police helicopters, more than 700 diving cylinders, and the pumping of more than a billion litres of water from the cave system. And sadly, it also cost the life of a Thai Navy SEAL. In Wales, representatives from every single cave rescue team in the UK were involved in the rescue of George Lenane. Over 200 people all descended into the cave, taking it in shifts to lift him out that mile. And it was worth it. God's rescue plan would cost far more than any of these rescues or any other rescue that's ever happened and will ever happen. Because it would cost the sacrifice of his own son. This baby king being brought gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh would one day have a crown of thorns thrust upon his head by the Roman soldiers, mocked, beaten and spat upon. God's divine rescue plan for humanity would cost everything. But here's the question, what was God and is God rescuing us from? If we were to conduct a survey on the streets of Wickham this afternoon and ask people, what are the biggest challenges facing humanity today? The answers would inevitably be future variations of COVID, they would be global warming, they would be the threat to war between China and what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. These are big challenges that are facing humanity today, no doubt about it. And they're challenges that we'll be facing in this year and unfortunately next year as well. And of course, government, world leaders, scientists, COP26, G7, diplomats, all work together tirelessly to rescue us from these challenges. Developing medication, diplomacy, trying to resolve the issues. And that's all good, but God's rescue plan deals with the biggest spiritual challenges that no man can deal with. And they're spiritual challenges facing humanity that affect every single one of us. And we need help, we need rescue to deal with these spiritual challenges. And those two big influences, those two big challenges that impact each and every one of us, and every person who will ever be born and ever been born, are sin and the devil. Now I know that for some that's a message that is unpalatable. The word sin is, is, is been our... our our evolved um, intellect has discounted for many the concept of sin. And even the idea that there's some enemy, there's some devil that's out to get us is, is, is undermined in so many ways. And even the concept of hell and the devil is, is glamorised as fun. The term living in sin is seen to be old-fashioned and Victorian, but nothing could be further from the truth. These are the spiritual enemies that are affecting humanity Every day, watch the news, read the newspaper articles. So much of what we read about, horrific crimes, dishonesty, pride, greed, lust, murder, adultery, abuse, they all rooted in sin and the devil, the spiritual enemies affecting all of us. And the Bible makes it clear that we all sin and that the devil's aim is to steal, to kill and to destroy. We all need rescuing. And what is sin? Well, 
in the middle of the word sin is I. And it's, so it's selfishness. It's independence from God. Sin is nastiness towards God and others. It's separating us from God. And we all sin. But this is what God has come to rescue us from. This is what we see unfolding here in Luke chapter 1. Because fast forward 30 years, and again we're introduced to Luke and John. And we read the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the babe in the manger, would one day have that crown of thorns thrust on his head, crucified on a wooden cross. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God's great rescue plan is to rescue us from our sin. Yeah, for me personally, I was rescued, yes, as an 11-year-old physically. But spiritually, when I was 20, around 20 years old, I was at university in Leicester and I was living a life which I knew was displeasing to God. I can't say I fell in with the wrong crowd. That would be blaming other people. I was the wrong crowd. And I was living a life that was, was wrong and displeasing to God. And I had this tension within me because... Three years earlier, I'd given my life to Jesus in a meeting. I'd said, yes, Lord, be, I'm sorry, be my Lord. And yet, like the prodigal son, I'd run away. And I was in amongst the pigs and, and the trough and in a desperate state spiritually, bound by my own sin, bound by shame and struggling. And somehow through the grace, the boldness, the courage of members of the Christian Union then in Leicester, I ended up in a church meeting one Sunday evening in Leicester. And I walked into that building, bound up by my own sin, oppressed and harassed by the devil, no doubt about it, spiritually in a terrible place. And I walked into that building not knowing what to expect, but the pastor at the end said, anyone would like to come for prayer, Jesus is here to set you free and to release you from your sin and to fill you with his Holy Spirit. I went forward for prayer, not knowing what to expect. And in that moment, as I cried out for help, I know that Jesus took over, that spiritually I was helpless, but he came in, he forgave me of my sins, he cleansed me, and he dealt with the works of the enemy. And I know without a doubt that a miracle occurred because of the power of the name of Jesus in that place, and the power of the work of the Holy Spirit. I needed rescuing, and I was rescued. I absolutely couldn't help myself, no amount of self-control could have enabled me, but God did. And he delivered me from the grip of the enemy. You see, there's no other way for us to be cleansed from our sins. There is no other way for us to be freed from the grip of the enemy. And it gets better because Jesus doesn't only forgive us of our sins, he deals with the sinful nature, that very nature in us that wants to sin. He deals with it and he dealt with it on the cross. Galatians 5 23 says those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who have put their faith in him, have crucified the flesh, the sinful nature, with its passions and its desires. He's rescued us. Does that mean that we won't be tempted? No, we will be tempted. But we can cry out to him for help and he will rescue us, even in the depths of temptation. 
because he's dealt with that sinful nature. And God's rescue plan also is to rescue us from the oppression and control of the devil. It's wonderful words in 1 John 3. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Amen? Was to destroy the devil's work. As the carol goes, God rest you merry gentlemen and women. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, comfort and joy. We have been saved from Satan's power. Amen. And we have been seated in Christ, far above all power, far above all authority. That is where we are. So what's your response to these tidings of comfort and joy this morning? Or even this afternoon? What's your response to God's great rescue? Are you like those 33 miners? Are you like the football team and the coach? Are you like Jordan Lane that, that recognise their need for rescue, that depend on their rescuer, that cooperate with their rescuer, that recognise that they can't help themselves, that call upon the help of the rescuer? Are you like that, asking God, I need rescue? I need your forgiveness. I need you to help me in these battles daily. Do you call on him? Or maybe you were once rescued, but you've gone back into that cave, like I did when I was about 20. If that is you, God is merciful to you today. He is rich in mercy. You may well be where you are because of your own mistakes and think, how can God rescue me? when this is my fault. He is so rich in mercy, don't ever let that narrative stop you from leaning and depending on the bountiful mercy of God to forgive you and to restore you and to rebuild you and to help you because God is the great rescuer. And that's what we read in Luke 1. So what do we need to do? We simply need to believe and receive. Believe that Jesus died to take away your sins and receive his forgiveness, receive his mercy, receive his free gift of eternal life. Because ultimately, the biggest enemy that faces us all, that no one can avoid, is death. Eternal separation from God. Horrific. But God's rescue plan that we see unfolding here in Luke 1 was to defeat the power of death once and for all. The Jesus crucified on the cross rose again three days later. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate the victory over death that he won for us all and the free gift of eternal life that he gives us all. It's something to celebrate. And indeed, the 25th of December is a date to celebrate. The 13th of October, the 10th of July, the 9th of November, yes, they all mark significant rescues in history. But in a few days' time, on the 25th of December, and every year, we remember the beginning of the greatest rescue plan unfolding for humanity. The rescue for us all from sin, the devil, and death. And the free gift 
of eternal life. So this Christmas, amongst the turkey, if that's what you like, or the mince pies, the wrapping paper, the celebration, which are all great, let's just remember to take time out and thank God for his rescue. That God sent. That he took the initiative. And that Aslan is still on the move today. Rescuing people from the power of sin and the devil and giving the greatest gift to man, eternal life. And finally, thank God that he'll keep rescuing you. He'll keep on rescuing you. Wonderful scripture that he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Amen? Amen. Amen.